Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Church family, please be seated. It is so good to be with here with you this morning on, on a Sunday morning. Uh, you know, I loved our little bit of a scaled back worship time this morning. We, we were missing our drums. Where's our drummer at? John, where are you at? Right there. He came in all the way from Alabama. What time did you get to UT? It's 7.15, so he was playing in the band yesterday there in Alabama um, in that mission field, third world country. Anyway, he was down there, drove all the way home, and uh, man, we missed you this morning. But you know, sometimes it's just so good to kind of just pull everything back and just the substance of our worship, the gospel that is sung. You know, honestly, we don't have to have a guitar. Well, I have to have the drums, the lights, the stage, the building, the substance of the message we sing is the gospel and is all we need. So grateful for our team. John, we did miss you back on next week, okay? So we, we need you next week, but so grateful that you guys are here. Listen, let me tell you something. I have loved our series the gospel at work, as we've watched it in the sequel to Luke's gospel called the book of Acts. I have loved watched, watching the Holy Spirit work the gospel in and through this young church in Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3. And as build, Acts chapter 3 and 4 have been pivotal chapters in the life of this early church. So let me catch up where we are. Jesus ascends back into heaven after 40 days of walking with his disciples after his resurrection in Acts chapter 1. Jesus tells them this, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2, the church is birthed, Pentecost happens, and what's amazing is, is the church bursts forth on the scene. Acts chapter 3, this young church is still in Jerusalem. They're still worshiping the Lord. They're meeting together. They're making much of Jesus together. But something happens as Peter and John head to the temple at some three o'clock in the afternoon. Something happens on that day that will forever change the life of this young church. Peter and John, as they approach the temple, they come towards the gate on that 35-acre compound, the gate called Beautiful. There the Holy Spirit grabs their attention towards a crippled beggar who lay there at the gate for years, if not decades. And there they engage with him in conversation. Silver and gold they did not have, but what they did have they gave to him, and that was Jesus Christ. And on that day, a man who had never walked in his life now went into the temple courts running, praising God, and a dance party took place. There in Acts chapter 3. Well, as the crowd began to gather there at the temple courts, knowing that this man was never able to walk, but is now running, now is praising God, now went from the wrong side of the gate, beautiful, to the right side, a crowd begins to gather and ask the question, what has taken place? And Peter and John do what Peter and John do best. They see a moment what it was, and they began to preach the gospel. They began to share the gospel with the people, and as all of this transpired together, all of a sudden, their preaching the gospel caught the attention of not only the priest of the temple, not only the captain of the temple guard, but also the Sadducees who were in charge of that temple, wanting them to cease 
in their proclamation of the gospel. They had Peter and John arrested. They had them in prison that night in hopes to get them to shut up about Jesus and his resurrection, but to little avail because the next morning as Peter and John stood before them, they began to share on whose authority they did the very miracle that was seen. On whose authority that they would preach the gospel. And there before the Sanhedrin, they boldly preached Jesus. And here's what we found out last week. You ready? In this conversation of, of bringing back boldness to our lives personally and to our church collectively, here's where we understood boldness to begin. You ready? Boldness always chooses an opportunity no matter the cost. And here's what I mean, that every opportunity afforded to it, that we will always choose boldness, no matter the cost to us personally. And that's what we see in the life of this young church, that time and time again they chose boldness, no matter the cost. And for you and I to bring back bold, we must choose boldness, no matter the cost. Now, it's important for us to be reminded this morning of what we mean when we talk about Boldness. What it is, what is boldness? What is this boldness that we speak of? Well, first of all, biblical boldness is a common theme throughout the book of Acts. In fact, it's one Greek word called parousia. parousia. Look at your neighbor and say parousia. Look at you Greek scholars out there. I love it. Here's what that word means it means someone engaging in an activity that involves risk or danger. Now, this past week, um, I, I took a, a night, and, and I decided to take my, my oldest daughters on their first camping trip ever. And so we went out to Elkmont. Y'all know how cold it got at Elkmont that night? In the 30s. All we had was a tent and an air mattress that made it till about midnight, right? And then I woke up on the floor. It was cold and dark. And you know what we had right outside of that, that tent? A minivan. So guess where we spent the rest of the night? In the minivan, right? With the, with the heat on. Listen, I mean, it's, sometimes that involves a little bit of risk or danger. But here's what we're talking about, biblical boldness. Situations by which people knowingly and willfully engage in the gospel, even though it may bring danger. Although it may involve risk to one's life to their very freedom. That's the type of boldness we find that is common thematically throughout the entire book of Acts. But here's the deal. Boldness doesn't just speak to one's speech, but boldness incorporates the idea of one living out their life in a bold way for the gospel. Now, when I talk about boldness, I'm not talking about being a jerk. Really, rather the opposite. I am talking about a boldness, the biblical concept that means being Jesus to a world that is lost and desperate without him and a world that is oftentimes hostile to the gospel. Hey, hear me, scripture's clear. To those, the gospel to those who are perishing, who are lost without Jesus, whose hearts have been hardened against them, it is foolishness, it is an offense. But for those of us who are saved, it's the very power. God. Can I tell you something about the gospel message? It is offensive enough to our sin and our sin nature so that you and I don't have to be. We don't have to add offense 
to the gospel. And that's what biblical boldness reminds us, that the gospel is offensive enough that we don't have to be. Here's what I jotted down. You ready? Biblically, boldness means loving, living, and leading like Jesus. Better yet, it means allowing Jesus to love and to live and to lead in your life and in my life through the Holy Spirit. Bringing back bold begins with choosing boldness in Christ, no matter the cost. In last week's message, as corny as the illustration was, I had up here a bag of Doritos, which I ate um, since then. And I challenged you, listen, have to have more boldness than a very brand that markets its boldness. To have more boldness than a bag of chips. And as we looked into that young church in Acts chapter three, in the first part of Acts chapter four, we saw that they were not lacking boldness. And so this week, this morning, we continue together to work towards bringing back bold in our lives personally and in our churches collectively. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter four, and we're going to begin where we left off here in verse number 13. And as you turn there, uh, you know, talk about boldness. I married an Alabama fan. Security. Uh, Aaron, this is the truth, isn't it? Last night we went to bed, and here were her last words to me. Well, it looks like you're going to bed with a winner, and I'm going to bed with a loser. Did y'all pray for our marriage? Um, fast until dinner tonight. Listen, I love the boldness. I, I love it. I love being able to us to begin to uncover what all biblical boldness really looks like. Now, imagine this. John, Peter and John have stood before this council, this Sanhedrin, the very, the very same Sadducees that Jesus stood before just weeks earlier. And there they proclaim a message that culminates in verse number 12 to this council that stands in judgment over them, that salvation is found nowhere else, in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given by which you and I may be saved, but Jesus. And this is exactly where we pick, up, pick off in our message. And here's where we pick up. Now, here's the point we've got to understand. As we head into verse number 13, how is it that you and I continue to bring back bold in our lives? Well, here we go. You ready? We must recognize that boldness builds by being with Jesus. Jot that down if you're taking notes, that boldness builds by being with Jesus. Take a look at verse number 13 here in Acts chapter four. When they, meaning the council, meaning the Sadducees, when they saw the courage, hey, by the way, when they saw the parousia, when they saw the courage, the parousia, the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. This word means that they were speechless. They had nothing to say when they looked into the life of Peter and John at their words, at their wisdom, at their boldness. They were speechless. And so here we have a scenario that the accused speak boldly while the accusers remain silent. They were astonished. And catch this. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I don't know that you could ever pay me a greater honor in life 
And to say, you know what, Anthony? You've been with him, haven't you? You spent time with him. You've been, you've been in his presence. You know, I love this passage, and I think it's funny how God didn't use first-rate religious leaders, but he used fishermen. I begin to think of how God didn't just find seminary-trained men to use in this scenario, rather followers of Jesus. He didn't use super popular men, rather somewhat plain men. He didn't use extraordinary men, but ordinary men he used to do the extraordinary. Hey, can I just remind you something at church? Some of y'all may be sitting there thinking, you know what, I can't, I can't sing like old Zach can. I'm not as good looking as Pastor Anthony. I may not could preach like Pastor Justin or Pastor David. I mean, I'm just ordinary. Hey, that's exactly who God uses. God always uses ordinary men and women, boys and girls, to do the extraordinary for his kingdom. So how is it that God builds his kingdom to spread the gospel? Well, he does so on the backs of unschooled. Ordinary men and women and boys and girls who've simply been with Jesus, who look like him, who talk like him, who act like him, who love like him. Those that they can look at their life and take note that this person has been with Jesus. Boldness builds by being with Jesus. Now let me tell you the stakes here, you ready? First Peter 5, 8 reminds us this, that you and I are up against an enemy who tirelessly works to deceive and destroy us. Listen to what First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert as Peter encourages the church and of sober mind, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Listen, you will have 168 hours this next week. That is 10,080 minutes. And I want you to know for 168 hours, for 10,080 minutes, this enemy is at work to deceive and to destroy and to devour you. What's the difference maker? Well, it's those who've been with Jesus. You see, Jesus in time with him makes all the difference in the world. When this guy comes hunting us, when this guy right here comes after us, you know, the studies are really underwhelming. Average believers will spend at the most a few minutes a day in both prayer and Bible study. The two chief means of just being with Jesus, prayer and Bible study, the statistics show that the church in America struggles with just a few minutes a day. But let's just, let's just say, for instance, maybe, maybe you're on the top end of that. You average out 10 minutes a day, Bible studying in the Word. Do you know that's less than 0.68% of your entire week given to being with Jesus? And I'm gonna tell you something. Oftentimes we gather together and we wonder why we haven't seen God. We haven't heard from God. Why we haven't experienced God. Why it feels as if the enemy is taking more and more ground in our lives. And the answer to it is this, you ready? 
Man, just be with Jesus. Spend time with him. Now listen, there's no 10-point program I can put up on the screen that's going to be a shortcut around just spending time and being with Jesus. But I tell you what, it's the difference maker in the world. You say, well, Anthony, listen, you don't know my life. I do. I'm a pastor. I'm a lawns. Run a cleaning business. My husband. I've got four pretty young kids in the house. And listen, I know the busyness of life. But I also know the great value in being with him. And I tell you what, I know what it's like not to be with him in a day. And being with him, there is nothing that compares. Yeah, I just don't have time. Do you know the average one of us in the room will spend 135 minutes a day on social media? How's your thumb muscles? I'm expecting a little bit of muscle work right here, you know. 135 minutes a day. On average, you and I will spend three hours and 35 minutes a day on this right here. And see, I don't have, I don't have time for them. But you know what? Here's where we're going to find ourselves on average five hours a day. You ready? looking at something that looks an awful lot like this. But Anthony, I don't, I don't have time for him, but you know where we're going to find ourselves two hours a day? Playing games on something that looks a lot like that. Hey, can I share something with you? We all have 24 hours a day. I don't have more. You don't have less than 24 hours, hear me. It's not that we don't have the time. Everybody has the same time. It's just what you and I prioritize. And hear me, you wanna bring back bold to your life. Personally, you wanna see boldness exude in the life of our church collectively? You ready? Boldness builds by being with Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you something. For people to take note that you've been with Jesus means that you actually have to be with Jesus. I love what John Piper says. One of the great uses of social media, of Twitter and of Facebook, will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness and the neglect of the Bible was not from a lack of time. You know what, I just spewed out a lot of statistics. On this phone, an hour, you know, an hour and a half plus of just going through on social media. Three and a half hours of just spending time on here. Five hours a day on average looking at a screen. Two hours a day playing on a screen. And you know what that goes to show us? We do have time. It's just what's the priority? To bring back bold, you and I must recognize that boldness builds by being with Jesus. So here's, what, here's a challenge, you ready? 
right now, some of us need to commit to carving out some time on our schedule with him every day. Let me, let me show you something cool. Uh, if you have an iPhone, I, I don't know about you Android people, um, we pray for you often. Um, now, listen, my, my brother-in-law's an Android guy, so I'm sure you guys, I'm sure with the Android market, you could just think it, it happens. Anyway, here's what happens on an iPhone. Hey, Siri, schedule 30 minutes at 9 o'clock a.m. each morning this week for Bible study. You know what's amazing, this girl? She'll send me a notification in the morning, 15 minutes before, for me to spend time with Jesus. Here's the deal. It's not complicated. Boldness builds by being with Jesus. And we need to do that on purpose. Bringing back bold happens no other way than to be with Jesus. And trust me, when you and I are, People will take note that we have been with Jesus. Here's the second thing we learned about boldness. You ready? How do we bring back bold? We remember that boldness bows to none but Christ. Boldness bows to none but Christ. Check out our passage as we continue. Then they, meaning the Sadducees, called them, meaning Peter and John, in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now listen, Peter and John could have been like, all right, done. They could have been quiet, been released, and continued on sharing the gospel. But watch them prompted by the Holy Spirit in boldness. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? Listen to you or to him? You'd be the judges. They go on and said, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus changes your life, when Jesus saves you, when Jesus does a work in your heart and your life, hear me, church, you ready? You can't help but to talk about it, to talk about him. And after further threats, they let him go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. They could have been quiet, but they didn't. They could have bowed to the will of the Sadducees, the culture and the world, but they didn't. They bowed to the very will of Christ. And here again, in these few short chapters in the book of Acts, we see public demonstrations of boldness. But I want you to hear me, church. You ready? Every public demonstration of boldness begins first in our private, everyday devotion to Jesus. That's where all boldness begins. I wrote some things down, if you'll permit me to read. I just had some thoughts this past week as I was reading through this part of Scripture. You know, you and I might not stand before the Sadducees this week, but we will stand before our spouses. Bow to none but Christ in the way that you love and you serve your spouse. Bow to none but Christ in the way that you remain faithful to your spouse, for the way you fight for your spouse, for the way you fight for your marriage. And I'm going to promise you this, mom and dad, you ready? Your kids will take notes that you've been with Jesus by the way that you love your spouse. You and I might not stand before a council today. 
but we will stand before our children today. And the challenge is still there. Bow to none but Christ as you raise them. Hear me, church, you ready? Education isn't the ultimate end of our raising our children, and neither is the sports scholarship. The American dream isn't the end all for our children or for our family. As parents, we are tasked with raising up Christ followers and disciples of Jesus. The greatest impact on your child's life will not be the church, will not be a children's ministry, will not be a student ministry. The greatest influence and impact on your child's life will be when they can look at mom and dad and take note that you've been with Jesus. You and I may not spend the night in a jail cell, but many of us have spent nights alone, lonely, in isolation, hiding because of fear, hiding in anxiety, gripped by hurt, gripped by pain, gripped by loss. Believer, hear me. Even in the hardest, the most difficult of nights, bow to none but Christ and never lose hope. Never lose hope. Spend time with Jesus and take notes from him. And people who have faced what you have faced will look even into your darkest nights and take notes that you've been with Jesus. You and I may not find ourselves first thing Monday morning in a courtroom for our faith, but we are constantly surrounded by those who stand condemned in their sin, lost without him. In church, I challenge you to bow to none but Christ. And those who are around us will take note that we have been with Jesus. And many will look into our life and see the evidence that Jesus works and that Jesus is real. You know, you and I may not find ourselves in the custody of the captain of the temple guard. But you and I are engaged in a culture war, fighting for the truth of the word of God the very foundations of our faith. Believer, bow to none but Christ and honor him as we reach a culture so desperately in need of Jesus. You will be at times shouted down. You will at times be told to, to shut up. You will be belittled. You will be ridiculed. You will be called names. You will be rejected at times. But remember that biblical boldness bows to none but Christ. As we look at our passage, do what is right in the eyes of God through the lens of his word, guided by his spirit in you. And by all means, never be quiet about your faith. Rather, be bold. Be bold. Lastly, how do we bring back bold? We realize that boldness doesn't just happen, it's prayed for. Hey, boldness doesn't just happen to you, it's prayed for. Now, I, yeah, I started thinking the other day, 
what are some things that I wish just happened to me? And you know what rose at the top of everything? Fitness. Y'all know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just wish fitness would happen to you. I, I, where, where's Paul at? Paul sings in our choir. Where are you at, Paul? Everybody look at Paul real quick. Just stand there, son, for just a moment. I want you to look at Paul. I want you to look at me. Fitness just, Aaron, I'm so sorry. Uh, anyway, fitness doesn't just happen. Hey, Paul, let me ask you something. Uh, you're, you're in pretty good shape, right? You look like Captain America standing in the back of the room. Um, do you work out hard? Do you want to stay in shape? Okay, stay, just stand up. You deserve it. Here, listen. Two things that are missing in my life, okay? The will to and the want to. But I'm going to tell you something. I look back there and look at Paul and go, man, you've been in the gym. I ate a bag of Doritos this week. How many bag of Doritos did you eat this week? Okay, sit down. Anyway, hey, listen. Man, I love Paul, but here's the deal. Oftentimes, even in our faith, we want things to just happen to us, but that is not so when it comes to boldness. You know what? Here's the deal. Paul, in his fitness, he works for it and he wants it. When it comes to our fitness spiritually, when it comes to boldness, hey, hey listen, we work for it, we want it, but hear me, you gotta pray for it. You got to pray for it. I, I thought of this the, uh, the other day when it came to boldness is that oftentimes we get this idea that boldness only comes to apostles or pastors or, or staff. Here's the truth. Boldness is not just a spiritual gift for the few, but it's the answer to prayer for any believer who will ask for it and act upon it. Who will both ask for it and act upon it. As we see here in Acts chapter four, boldness biblically happens when there is burden, conviction, and urgency. When all those things come together and combine, the need to pray for boldness is imminent. I posted this on my Facebook uh, this past week. I love Adrian Rogers, and I'd say you ought to just Google him. He's one of the best preachers of of all time. I love what he said. He says, we need to be living as if Jesus died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back this afternoon. Hey, you ready? That's the type of boldness you and I need to approach in our everyday because the truth is he very well could come back this afternoon. New. And just in case we relegate passages that we find here in the book of Acts as passages only for the professional Christians, the apostles, the pastors, know what this commentator said about the early church. He says this, the apostles were not the only bold witnesses in Act. He says, notice Stephen in Acts chapter 6. Notice Philip in Acts chapter 8. And he says this, those are just the two next main witnesses for Christ in the book of Acts. And hey, by the way, they weren't professional Christians. You know what they were? Unschooled, ordinary men who people took note had been with Jesus. They were bold witnesses for Christ. And here's the deal. They were willing to pray for and they were willing 
to act upon boldness in their life. Can I ask you something, church? Are you and I willing to pray for boldness? And are we willing to act upon it? You know, the truth is, is it's not just going to happen to you. You must pray for it. We must act upon it. You might say, well, Anthony, listen, those guys had it easy, Peter and John. They had boldness. There was no fear. Listen, are you, are you kidding me? You know, it's amazing. Upon their release, it's going to show us a lot about how boldness came to Peter and John. Watch what verse 23 says. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. You ever wonder what they prayed? You know what my prayer would have been like after spending a night in jail? After going through a trial like that? You know what my prayer would have been? Oh, God, would you take away the persecution? Oh, God, would you give the persecutors a stomach bug? Oh, God, would you deliver me? But after they quoted Psalm 2 and they prayed through the Old Testament, here was the crux of their prayer together. Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to kill them all and let God sort them out. No. Consider the threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great parousia, great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Hey, by the way, they're praying this in full knowledge, in full sight of the fact that if, they, if God continues to do this through his spirit, that they are going to be persecuted all the more. Yet they prayed it anyway. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God in parousia, in boldness, and in courage. I don't need the building to shake today. But I do need the Holy Spirit of God to shake the cowardice, the fear, and the selfishness out of me today. I need a, a boldness that is prayed for, that is brought about by time with my Jesus, and a boldness that bows to no one, to nothing but Christ. And that's what we see in this prayer meeting. It just didn't happen to Peter and John. Church, it was prayed for. It was acted upon. Consider what Paul would pray, and he encouraged the church at Ephesus to pray. Pray also for me, that words may be given to me at the opening of my mouth to boldly, to parousia, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly, and there's the word again, as I ought to speak. Again, I'm in chains God, break me out of jail. You're pretty good at it. Paul, give me boldness in my chains to share and be the gospel. Boldness was prayed for. You know, I think of people like Peter and John and Paul. 
people of, of great faith that, that exemplified what boldness is all about. And here's a couple of things they all have in common. You ready? Their boldness was built by being with Jesus. That time and time again, when given the choice, they would bow to none but Christ, no matter the cost. And boldness didn't just happen to them. It was something they prayed for and they acted upon. Uh, a couple of years ago when I was in Charlotte, of course, I've been a, a youth pastor most of my, my ministry, my life, and, and uh, I had some students. I was a high school pastor, and we, uh, we decided one Sunday afternoon we were going to meet in our student area. We are going to pray. We are going to put together some homeless packs, um, some packs of just needs that homeless people might have, gift cards, all that good stuff. And we were going to go to that street in the city of Charlotte where all the homeless people congregated. Haley, you'll remember these times. Hey, she'll remember. She's one of my students from Charlotte. What was amazing is we got to this street, and this was the first time I had been to this street. And we were outnumbered 10 to 1. If not, it grew to be 20 to 1. And we had just a limited number of homeless packs. But hear me, our students prayed for, we looked forward to towards going on that street, meeting some needs. And when silver and gold we did not have, we'll give you what we do have, and that's Jesus. And so here we loaded this church bus. Haley, I'll never forget how terrified everybody was. All these teenagers were when we pulled up to this one street in Charlotte. Violence, drugs, all of that on this one street. But you know what we did? We hopped out of the bus, we prayed together, and we just ran onto that street. Within just a couple of minutes, every homeless pack we had made was gone. We had no more silver or gold. So we gave him Jesus. And I watched as my teenagers, the majority of which you guys were ninth and 10th graders, spread out all across a, a low a low-level wall where people would just sit throughout the day. And I watched them spread out, outnumbered by many, and they begin to love people, to ask them their story, to share their story, and ultimately God's story with them. And I'll never forget, I had a, I had a man, he was homeless, and um, he had had a little too much to drink that day. And, and so for some reason... He just didn't like me or my mom, which he had never met, right? Hey, um, he came up to my belly button um, and he said some bad things about your mom and, and he had a bottle in his hand. And I just thought the whole time he wanted to fight me and I was just like, hey, tiny, listen, I'm not gonna go there, right? Just, it's not worth my, and I kept telling him that. He's like, you wanna fight me? I was like, yes, but it's just not the right time. Anyway, and so, I walked out into the middle of the street. No traffic was there. And he just kept yapping into my ear, just yapping the whole time. But I wanted to get him away from our students so that they could just go on and minister. I'll never forget watching just a handful of my, my students over on this corner of the wall. And I watched as what seemed to be a gang 
of homeless teenagers walk up on them as my students were sharing the gospel. And those teenagers in that, what looked to be a homeless gang, began to laugh and mock and curse and call out my students one by one. So imagine this, me and Tiny are in the street. He's still going. I see this group of teenagers and now they are publicly taunting my students. I'm uneasy. My first thought is, I'm gonna go break this up. But then I stood there with Tiny, me and him, and little did he know we had a prayer moment for our students. And just I simply remember going, God, I'm not gonna, I don't mess up what you're doing. I'll make sure they're safe. But God, would you give them boldness? Would you give them boldness to preach the gospel? And I'll never forget, they looked terrified. But as they continued to share the gospel as they were being shouted down, I watched homeless person after homeless person sitting at that wall, completely blind to what was going on around and completely focused in on some teenagers. And I watched several of the homeless people sitting on the wall that day give their heart and their life to Jesus as I watched teenagers boldly stand for Christ no matter the cost. Hey, listen, their boldness built because they had been with Jesus all day that Sunday. Boldness built because they would bow to none but the will of Christ, not even the will of the mob. And you know what? We prayed for it, and I prayed for it, and they acted upon it. They could have retreated. They could have been quiet. But they chose boldness that day. And because of it, there are some homeless people who may still be on that wall today who will one day have a home in heaven. That is what biblical boldness looks like. And that is the biblical bonus that I pray for you and I hope you pray for me. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.